Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, everybody. Got Jim to my right. Across from us, virtually, we have Hunter, accomplished outdoorsman, true woodsman, host of Meat Eater, the television show, and author of many great books, Stephen Ranella. Now, Keep going, man. I was, I was liking that. Oh, I, was, I always like to open with a little flattery. Yeah, it works. Just, just, some, just some, some general flattery. It's all true, though. Those are all, those are all facts. But now, speaking of author, speaking of author, Steve, you guys just released, recently released, Meat Eater Guide to Wilderness Skills and Survival. Now, I'm holding that book right here, Jim. Mm-hmm. And I wish this copy, this signed copy of the book was mine. But it ain't. Who it? it? It's not. It could be. I'm talking to the listeners now. It could be yours. That's right. Oh. So stay tuned for the very end of the podcast, post our regular close, to find out how you might be able to become the owner of this very book that's sitting right here. It may just save your life. It may. There is. I do believe, actually. we We got a letter from a guy that bought that book, and... He was hiking the Appalachian Trail with his girlfriend and made a number of missteps and got him in a dicey situation. And he wrote in to say that he used that book <laughs> to start a fire. <laughs> and he said he had already read the first 50 pages and he burned them all. <laughs> That's hilarious. I do. Uh, so I'm I, like, we we should have mentioned on the bottom of it, like, if all else fails, burn this book. <laughs> <laughs> Just that exactly. Use for kindling. I I did like the fact that you guys did lawyer this up here a bit. It does say it contains general information relating to wilderness skills and survival. It's not intended to serve as a diagnosis tool. So basically, it, you should preemptively save your own life by reading and then preparing yourself. Not necessarily. Sounds like that guy maybe lucked out a little bit there, having the book on hand. You know, and and it did actually then help save his life perhaps but <laughs> i think i think yeah the um i'm glad you got so far into the book that you found the disclaimer <laughs> <laughs> well there's 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 some medical ad- advice ish in there like you know i mean yeah. per, you, oh, you gotta be stuff. careful but i mean i think yeah you guys need to advertise the book i mean not only is it advice it's it's part of your uh your kit that it's you can also carry a lot of stuff you. i want to experiment with now i want to try cattail i can't believe i haven't eaten yeah. one yet I'm I'm not a, I'm not generally a fan of book burning, but I guess if it's to save your life, you know, there's there's exceptions. Did you guys get to the part of that book where it deals in sort of the philosophy and practice of cannibalism? Ooh, I haven't um, gotten there yet. It sounds juicy. Yeah, the way the way the books the way it's laid out, most chapters are laid out like this. You might not you might read it and not realize that this is how it works, but it generally works like um most of the chapters flow sort of like best case to worst case scenarios, right? So if you get into the water chapter, there's a chapter on water. It starts out kind of like how to plan water consumption. Like how much water do you need for intake? How much water, like for car camping, what are the best ways to transport, stabilize water, store water, right? How much do you need? Then it gets into, okay, like kind of normal camping procedure where you're utilizing surface water, right? Utilizing readily available surface water. How do you... um purify and all the different treatments and best practices and then it and then it, as the situation devolves you wind up into uh you can't find surface water 
you have no receptacle in which to carry it. If you did find it, you have no purification equipment with you. Like, now what do you do? The food chapter flows similarly. Starts out like packing, right? Like packing food for expeditions, trips. And then we kept joking about, that as we go to like hits the fan, we kept joking about when things really get bad and, and people start eating their buddies. <laughs> <laughs> and so we talked a little bit about... um having not no personal expertise there we just talked a little bit about some some of the philosophy around cannibalism <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah theoretically like i'm sure there's yeah. a uh, an etiquette involved or you know i guess some do you think some side i, I guess I think if, you're, there is if you're etiquette if you're friends we a lot we went and interviewed a lot of people and put them and you guys could do this with yourselves right now we interviewed a lot of people like if you're out and something bad happened let's just say and you died would you uh, be looking down from the heavens, upset that your buddies ate you? We couldn't find <laughs> anyone that would hold it against them. <laughs> no. I, yeah. I, with, the, it, I was like unequivocally like you said. I was like, no. Right. No. Yeah, right with it. I don't need that body anymore. Yeah. You know, if. Have at her. I'm just curious around, make it like, out. I'm curious around the, the science behind it. Because you hear, mm. because not many people do it. Or, you know, like, at least document. I don't know. It, it, but that's that's a weird conversation in of itself, I'm sure. But there there isn't a whole lot of, like, some people say, oh, yeah, you know, you, if anybody who is cannibal, you, they get all shaky or something, you know. like oh, they just, that was an, But you guys did, I think you did a, did a podcast talking about it. I guess I, I missed and that. Like there Must have missed like that one. Health ramifications from, like, a tribe that was engaging in cannibalism. They were eating, yeah, that was a... That was like a ritualistic consumption of brain. Okay. Oh, gotcha. You know, and some issues came out of that. Ugh. Well, Jim, a, if, you if guys you... ever hear of a fella named uh, Cabeza de Baca? No. He was a, in the 1500s. He was a Spaniard part of the um, Navarre. I think the, the Navarra's expedition. They were shipwrecked and shipwrecked in Florida. Then they made a raft and got shipwrecked again around Galveston, Texas. And he was the first European to go to all these places, maybe the first European to ever lay the eyes on a bison, first European to make contact with a bunch of tribes along the Gulf Coast. He would talk, he, he later, when he described his adventures, mentioned a tribe where they would burn the bodies of their dead and basically make a sort of milkshake, not a milkshake, but make like a little shake. Like, a, like, a, I, like an ash shake. Like an I wasn't ash expecting shake. that. Not an ass, not a no, an ass shake, right? Not a twerk, not like not a the, twerk, not like the title of a modern day <laughs> hip hop song, no, and and consume that. But anyhow, that's how the book works. That like good case to worst case in a lot of yeah. in a, in a, in a yeah. lot of issues. Yeah. Well, well, number one, Jim, I guess here's a tip: if you ever do eat me, and if I'm dead, you know, have at her. Uh, stay Likewise. stay away from the brain. There's not much there anyway. <laughs> And then uh, that's good. That uh, that order of operations makes sense, though. Like, because that's kind of going to be your assessment. You're like, okay, I need some water. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna. What's the easiest? Okay, there's none of that. You Ho- yeah. Kind of work you your way down the line. Hopefully, you don't find yourself like you blink and everything was fine. Now you're in the worst case scenario immediately. Yeah. That can happen, but hopefully that doesn't. Oh, we talk a lot about how in the book there's a lot of psychology, or I don't want to call it psychology, but there's a lot of stuff about situational awareness and how a sort of flows to B sort of flows to C, yeah. you know, 
And then that there's a lot of, you know, with, with television shows and movies and things, there's a lot of these situations where things go like catastrophically bad for people extremely quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. We're, we're joking about right. cannibalism. There's that famous, you know, that famous situation where that soccer team was in that plane crash. And, right. But typically when people, and when you look at like how people get in trouble, quite often it's sort of like a little thing happens and, and there's ramifications of that little thing. And then there's a bad decision that's made and then it gets a little worse. And there's this cascading badness <laughs> that develops. <laughs> you know? And usually a, a, usually a state of denial about the fact that things seem to be getting worse. It's like, well, that happened, but we're still not, we're all right. Or panic, right? You're like, it's getting pretty bad. <laughs> hit, hit, the, hit the panic button but yeah i mean I, yeah, the, yeah for sure like a a compounding of events and choices you know and and uh and you're right though and i know one thing you talked about though steve actually i think i think we we're talking about mainstream i guess survival television this is years ago but you're like man you know people are always trying to show you how to get out of the wild and and you're like i'm trying to show people how to get in to the wild and that's that's something that definitely always stuck with me as I hadn't, yeah. really, I hadn't really thought about that type of content that way, but it's very true. And there's, there's no doubt that when you go into wild places, chasing wild animals or, or whatever, what have you, there's a certain level of risk that you take on. Uh, and not that you're seeking to, to necessarily put yourself in a, in a life-threatening or precarious situation, but you want to go prepared. But some of that risk is also part of the sense of adventure that you're seeking at mm-hmm. the same time, I don't know. Yeah, if you just sure. punched out every time that you felt some risk, then you would never really. You might be like, "Oh, I saved my life" or something, but you'd you'd also never really know whether or not you could have actually persevered through that. And then, yeah, in a smart way. Just that little bit of uncertainty, you know, is kind of part of the adventure. Now, I mean, you know, the important thing is, and I think what this book does an amazing job of. It's not like sensationalized stuff. It's full of super practical awesome tips to give a person even an experienced outdoorsman a ton of ton to think about and then if you're just getting into getting into the outdoors i mean it's like an encyclopedia of you know getting getting started and and being safe and and going in into the wild prepared so a situation that could be potentially catastrophic life-threatening turns out to be maybe just you know, part of a good story, or probably in a lot of cases, doesn't even become a situation at all. Yeah. We imagined the book and going in on it to be like more of a manual for people who have like, they go into the, into the woods or into the mountains, into the wilderness, kind of wanting to get something done. Like I've traveled a lot to some of the wildest places on earth, right? Like as a journalist or making a show or as a hunter, or as an angler. So it's like, I'm going out because I have like a set of goals. And the goals could be that you're a professional biologist, outdoor professional. Could be that you're just trying to like introduce your kids to great adventures, whatever. Like you're going out to do something. How can you be effective and like make sure that you get done what it is you wanted to get done in a safe fashion? It's not like if you're in case you're on a cruise ship and you get stranded on an island with nothing but a Bowie knife. It's it's just like not starting from that <laughs> sort of. It's not starting from that space right it's starting from a space of like a lifetime among people who spend time outdoors and they're goal oriented mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah you want to like you want to go have these experiences 
but it's also a, a good idea to get home safe. For sure. Speaking of speaking of getting home safe or not, and uncertainty and stuff, that was what we were going to talk about today. Is that not? Yes. Am I right? Yeah. So I I think how we got how we got this lined out, Steve, is it was a great transition, by the way. I appreciate that. Thank you. I, there's I no way too. the audience there's no way the audience would detect um, your anxiousness to get on with the meat of the. <laughs> I, I don't, I, you know, I tried to hide it. Now it's out in the open, but. Uh, yeah. Also, when you kicked me in the shin, Jim, that's how I knew. I thought that was the table. <laughs> so sometimes I'm getting started here, Jim. Sometimes there we go. the best lessons are lessons learned the hard way. As long, as long as you live to tell about it. <laughs> so Steve is a master storyteller. And so we've got him here to recount three of his harrowing near-death experiences and lessons learned. That's right. That sound okay to you, Steve? Sounds great, man. I even made notes on a legal pad. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Now, they're not long. They're just little notes, but I made some <laughs> notes here. I'm outnumbered. Usually, Mark's the only one with notes. I like to have a few notes. Jim is the king of wing. He just he just sends it. Mark always prints his notes. He's not afraid of a paper ocean. <laughs> oh, really? No, listen, man. I've had, uh, maybe I've had so many harrowing near-death experiences, but I just wanted to make sure I had three. So that's why I wrote them down. Perfect. Three's a magic number. So yeah, that'll do. We, heard, we also heard, too, that like two of them may be part of one, but they're married together. Like They can't be split up. I can't just, split them up. That's just the way it has to go. They're intertwined. Well, how do we get into this? How do we? What's like, uh, I mean, do you have one that uh, if you were going to tell somebody around a campfire, your harrowing near-death experiences, is there one that you're just like, this is the one, this is how we get people in the right mindset of thinking about almost dying? Like, is there one of those stories that you got? Like, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll start out with my one that's, uh, I'll start with my one that's most haunting, mm. but it's based on, do I just go now? Do I just yeah, do it? I, do it. Okay. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. But it's so haunting. No, it did, but it didn't. It's so haunting because without a lot of fanfare, it was like a thing that just would have been just so cataclysmic. <laughs> okay. So, Mark, you've been to my fish shack. Yeah. We one year made the, I don't want to call it the mistake, but before I even married my wife, we went up for Christmas and New Year's. And you're pretty, you're at a high latitude. And there's just very little daylight. Right? Sure. You need four hours, whatever, five hours. It's just dusky. And that time, and that place gets 13 feet of rain a year. Right. Not freaking inches, 13 feet. <laughs> so a lot of it comes that time of year. It's just foggy. The temperature is sort of like hovers between, you know, 20 and the low 30s. It's just like wet. A lot of snow, a lot of fog, very cold. The water's very cold. And Great it winds up being hard to go do anything because everything takes a while. Everything's far away. Well, I think, I think it could like, be, I'm totally, I know I'm interrupting here, Steve, but I think it could be important to point out in that region, like what you're describing there, that actually sounds like what could be a summer day in Southeast Alaska. Oh, so dude, to, yeah, be in, to, be, <laughs> to be in like the, the winter time frame, like I love it up there and I've only been up there in the summer it's never crossed my mind to be like, you know where I want to go in the winter? South, <laughs> oh, remote Southeast Alaska. We determined that it was a real bad idea. Not a bad idea, but we determined like that it was like, you, you don't go up there with a big list of stuff you're going to do. 
like, oh yeah, we'll go hunting over here and fishing over there. And, you know, it's just, it's <laughs> tough. It's tough. Get a little duck hunting in, you're good, but you, you can't do anything ambitious. So one night we go out or day, in the, the very short part of the day, we go out to do some deer hunting and we hunt till dusk, but we're a long way back from our shack. And we got a long boat ride, you know, six, seven mile boat ride in the dark. And um, I want to wedge a later story in here real quick. I once in Ketchikan, which is where we fly into to then fly out to our shack. I once in Ketchikan met, met a Coast Guard guy who was driving a uh, cab and he left the Coast Guard. And he was talking about, man, you get so sick of going to these boat distress calls and everybody's dead. And he's like, <laughs> the one time I go to one where they made it to the beach, two people, they're dead on the beach. Leaning, he's like leaning against a tree are two dead people. That is a downer. Oy. Yeah. So anyhow. When it's only light out four hours a day, too, and you're just, just coming he, he up on He said how, he boats. said, he was explaining to, and that some of the guys that work on uh, one of the, the, the islands, the airport's on, they used to commute to Revy Island. And he said that they used to tie, it was like a standard practice among old timers to tie a line around your waist to your boat so that it was easier to find your body. <laughs> 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 so we're driving back uh, at these guys a courtesy <laughs> we're driving back in the like kind of like darkness which is so stupid and i'm with my two brothers and my wife so it's like the people in the world that like i love the most and we hit a log so hard that the engine the outboard is all of a sudden kind of like up in the boat you know what i mean like it hits <laughs> and like bam the bow goes down and takes over this huge wave of water but not quite enough to sink the boat. Yeah. Yeah. So there it was over instantly. It was like, bam, engine comes up, wham, wham, down, boats full of 12 inches of water, but like not enough. Yeah. It was simply a matter. It was simply a matter of scooping the water out. But dude, I think about it all the time because like, I don't know, six inches more water, whatever. It's like no one, no one was going to survive that. No. Like uh, just the mat, just a slight, Variance and completely different outcome, hundred yep. percent, like guaranteed. No cells, like no cell signal. You know, you, you always have like a box with stuff in it, whatever. Like you're gonna like get your VHS radio out and figure that whole thing out and realize the batteries are dead. I don't know. It's like it's just like no one was gonna make it. And I always think like that could have right like so easily. That would have been sort of like this thing that was in the news, like all this family, Jeez. everybody moves on. That that is, is that, that is one of those super eerie things where you're just like, man, that that just could have been it. Like when, when that goes down, is it a bit on a grand scale of like the spilled milk effect, where like it happens and you just sort of like, Gah! and you just kind of freeze, and afterwards everyone's a little bit like, wait a minute. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I picture it being awfully quiet for like a few seconds. <laughs> There's no oh. It, it honestly like gives me like a sick feeling in my stomach because there's no sort of fanfare, you know. <laughs> Just been a like, it's been like, like everything I care about, including me, in addition to whatever, like just boop. <laughs> in a couple minutes, all in in one log hit, just like yeah, in a few like, minutes, it'll just been like just unplugging a cord. Poof. Yeah, was yeah. Like, that one sticks in my head. The part one A and B were. I've been in two main car crashes and they, and they happen very close proximity to each other. And they're both coming home from hunting trips. 
this one time I was living in Montana and I had a Ford Econo line van that I had traded a Husqvarna chainsaw and $250 for. <laughs> and my old man helped me build like a bed in it and a cooking area. And my mom sewed me up these curtains out of these, this fabric that had a lot of little brown trout and brown trout and stuff. It was like a perv van. It, a great a little van. bit, but sounds great. A great well, camping van. Well, now I'm now yeah. I don't feel it. I was gonna be like, oh, that sounds nice. And then oh no, did. okay, forget that part. It, no, it was a great van. It was very nice. <laughs> I would. It was two wheel drive, but you put chains on it on the back, and dude, you could plow snow with it. Love yeah. it. So we went duck hunting one time, float hunting, and my brother was living in Bozeman, and I was living in Missoula. And I remember we have a conversation at the end of the hunt, like we co-owned a canoe. And we had a long discussion about who will take the canoe. Yeah. Reasonable. And for whatever reason, like his needs seemed to, in our heads, trump our own and uh, decided that he would take the canoe. So we part ways. He goes east. I go west. We're sort of in the middle. And I flying along and hit a bridge and just off the road and start rolling like a bunch. What? And I remember the first thing that occurs to me is like, man, um, I'm glad Matt took the canoe. It's like, like in my head, like as I'm rolling, I'm like, I'm glad Matt took the canoe because that canoe would be taking a beating right now. <laughs> the most, the, the, the most pressing thing right now is Forget just the me. status of the canoe. <laughs> our, our 80 pound aluminum drum canoe. I mean, so cost guy uh, eighty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so the funny part, you're gonna think like, like you're gonna be like, oh, he's exaggerating. But I'm, I'm telling you, like, all the windows are blown out. <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe it, but I'm somehow completely unscathed. <laughs> I kept being like, surely I must have broken bones. But I'm like standing and walking around like nothing's wrong. <laughs> Now, the next day I was a little stiff, but here's the funny part. All the windows are blown out, and, and there's already cars pulling over. <laughs> and I had, like, and out in the snow, it's like dozens of shotgun shells, a half dozen ducks. Like, I mean, spread out over, like, a 50-yard swath. And then I had had a cooler, and in the cooler were some cold beers. <laughs> just a yard sale they're just out and i remember like thinking that i need to sort of police my area (laughs) ahead of the arrival of the authorities because it's just i I don't like the this isn't looking good for me right now (laughs) i I had a cooler and i remember running around in the snow and uh like just trying to tidy things up (laughs) in a way that didn't look in a way that didn't look so incriminating, man. Like, you know, like, <laughs> in, in, in a way, in a way where there wasn't ammunitions and ammunition and, and beer everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But dead ducks, ammo, and beer. <laughs> and beer's more like sounds like a party. So that same year, man, like that same year, I was in another big rollover that was equally scary, and Jeez. this one shot a dead deer out the back of the truck. Naturally, like my girlfriend got a deer. She rolled her truck bad, and the deer is like kicked way out in the snow. But this, where the near death thing comes in, is we had just stopped and I just got a big gas station coffee. Okay. 
just bear that in mind as you hear me out on this because right. we land upside down hanging in our seat belts and i can feel all my life's blood draining out of me like my neck ear right right like my blood is gushing out hot blood <laughs> gushing out of my body and i feel and like sure enough my hair's wet it's all hot and i'm like oh man now I'm, this is it's all over this is it <laughs> And if I look at my hand, but the blood's not on the hand. Well, that's weird because clearly my life's blood is gushing out. <laughs> and I feel again, and sure enough, my hair is like wet and matted with blood. And I look at my hand, and it takes me a couple minutes to realize that it's my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that's so got to that's gotta be a... Uh... It wasn't, in fact, my brains and blood. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. What just, a realization. I know. I just, you oh, know, the, you go the, from the sigh of, re- the sigh of relief. <laughs> you go from, oh my God, it's so bad. There's blood everywhere. Got, no, no I, it's, uh, it's just coffee. I've everybody. got minutes. That's all. And again, we both climbed out of there. We're totally fine. Got the deer back in the truck ahead of the arrival of the authority. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, that's, that's a lesson for wearing your seatbelt too. Only the deer oh. who was not belted in was ejected from the vehicle. <laughs> That's right. After those, I still, Mark, I, I, I still suffer from it. Like I, I grew up in Northern, I grew up in Michigan, um, the West shore of the, the, the West side of Michigan, Lake of like the Lake effect snow strip grew up driving in snow. Right. Accustomed to it. Right. Was always cocky about it. I have psychologically those twin incidents so close together. Haven't been in a crash since. But like psychologically, I have not recovered from that. I that drive like I still feel when I the, the, the snow and ice and, and coming onto a bridge, dude. I feel it in just a oh, like 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 I've been psychologically damaged. Just just chilling, like I'm oh, white, not, like a, you're getting to it. Feeling. It's a real Seeing thing. A bridge. That's traumatic. Like a snow and it's slick, and I see a bridge. It's like like it's like like a gut punch. Bridges are brutal, man, because all that air rushes over and under them. They get colder than the regular road. Yeah. It's yeah. You think, man, like an oncoming vehicle, dude? Oh, I hate it. It only here's t- my last one. Yeah, and this is one of the, this is one where nothing happened, which is kind of a funny story. Because I, I got a handful of, like grizzly experiences, and, and they and they do take on a they become magnified in your head. So there's like a psychological component to it. I think you know, like yeah. you know, I, I think if you look at sort of like humans. One of the, you know, we haven't carried with us for tens of thousands of years or whatever. We haven't carried with us the feeling of becoming like the laughing stock of the internet, right? But we've carried with us the feeling of not wanting to get killed by something, a big animal. I would, and, and I would agree. I would agree with that. I feel like limit. there's uh, some innate human things. Like, I think it's fairly normal to be scared of snakes and spiders, to be like, mm-hmm. I don't like that. I'm going to stay away from that. Yeah. Or, you know, grizzlies with giant teeth and claws yeah and then the really bigness Large. yeah they do that work you know there's that work that's been done around you know children right with no exposure to snakes have a seeming like a hardwired revulsion really hmm. yeah i hadn't read i hadn't heard that that's in, i mean it's interesting it makes sense i don't know so it's like if anybody's ever like oh snake cool whatever it's unnatural seemingly yeah, kids, to me it seems and they show kids um Toxic, like certain toxic spiders and stuff. There's sort of a, well, they don't they don't know about it, but they have like a kind of like a there's like an innate like oh, interesting. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, a little self preservation. 
I think right? we're born. I think as humans, we're born with a little bit more than we give ourselves credit for. You said you used to stick snakes down your shirt as a kid. We were just talking about this before we jumped on because I was saying as a kid, I used to, I used to like go fishing with my dad. And I'd stick the leeches on my finger and watch the leech like latch onto my finger. And now I think to my like, why did I do that? But, but you wouldn't do it now. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do so- it now. And it's not like you know, obviously, and I even read in the book, leeches don't necessarily tend to carry any super dangerous diseases. But it's just like, why would you want a parasite on you? And you would stick but snakes down I your shirt. I don't think you're, you're thinking kid. about it in those terms. So here's where here's where I was coming. I think as also like as as a boy, as a youth, like I was fascinated with dinosaurs reptiles, catching frogs, things like that. And we had a lot of garter snakes that never seemed to pose a threat, right? Like the, all everybody had told me they don't, you know, they won't bite you, which I think they actually can. Not all. Tell you what. I'm like there's one over by the old butcher shack that we got. That's a very I'm aggressive not sure. garter snake. I'm not sure that's even a garter snake. Or that a like milk different. snake or something. I don't know. Anyway, It'll snap at you. I also aggressive garter snake. <laughs> very very <laughs> If you saw the look in his eye, but it, it uh, there was a lot of older kids in the neighborhood, and so I'd like they'd be like, ah, you know, handle the snake, put the snake in your shirt. I'm like, ah, okay, you're ten, you're cool, I'll do it, you know. <laughs> and now looking back, maybe it wasn't a good idea. I never did get bit. I'm not saying you're not going to get bit, but also that's not something I would do now either. So I don't know, kind of whatever. There's that. There's that for you, everybody. Hmm. You have two kids, right, Mark? Yep. Go down to the pet store and borrow a rabbit. And borrow big, biggest <laughs> snake you they can get. <laughs> right. Put one in the one kid's bed. Put the other one in the other kid's bed. And at nighttime, see what reactions you get. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll report back. Uh, and you can publish a scientific paper about it and be like, <laughs> tell you what, man, kids don't like snakes. <laughs> you want to get you want to get clicks. That's that's one way to do it. That reminds me of a story my brothers the, had. The, where the, the effects of rabbits and snakes on kids and your relationship with your children by that, Mark Boardman. That reminds me of a story my brothers told when they were in school and a teacher was trying to explain how like people naturally learn things. And said, "Yeah, you know, it's just like when your mother wanted to teach you the oven was hot, so she took your hand, turned on the oven, brought your hand over, and put it." And everyone in the classroom is thinking, "What the hell's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, that's not uh, a. That so you just happen. you take a snake and you put it in your child's bed and they <laughs> uncover it and they scream. Some light biting. You know, in family lore, I don't remember back, but in family lore, it was it, it's believed that it's described that. But uh, I grew up on a lake and we had a dock, and you know, kids are just kind of drawn to the lake. It said that my dad, like, just to alleviate the fear of like what happens if they fall in, that he would at a very young age throw you off the end of the dock. <laughs> to then be like, okay, like he fell off. I threw him off the dock. He made it to the beach. Now I can stop worrying about what happens when they're down on the dock. Like you <laughs> answered the question. They fall. What happens if they fall in? Well, I, I'll tell you what happens. They fall in. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a question anymore. Yeah, he, <laughs> they I get guess. up to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, you're going to have an answer. Uh did we? Was this a rabbit trail off? Because you were talking about things that people are naturally afraid of. Was this? Was this another near death experience? I feel like did we? Did we get it was into my that third again? one? The, the car crash was A and B, right. two A and two B. Do was I there, go keep going? Was there another one involving snakes or something? Yes. Or let's the, keep the grizzlies. The grizzlies. Okay. Oh no, I'm fixed to talk about grizzlies. Yeah. Grizzlies. Unless Got I'm it. disinvited to, I don't know. I don't care. No, I want you to. No, I wanted to make okay, sure so we didn't accidentally like miss it. miss it. Yeah. Oh no. So, elk hunting with my brother. And taking our like 
hot September midday nap, right? We get like a couple hours in the morning where something fun happens, a couple hours in the evening, and then you just take naps. Taking our hot midday nap up on a ridge. And I awake from my slumber at one point, and there is a bull. This is a hell of a, this doesn't normally happen, but like I wake from my slumber, and there's like a bull in bow range staring at me <laughs> who doesn't hang out long enough for me to recover from the shock and like crawl over to where <laughs> I get my bow. You know? <laughs> but just like inexplicably, you know, he's just like there. <laughs> I've, um, I've had some of my best game encounters like short, like during or just post a good woods nap. Yeah. That's just fact. You know why? Because you're finally being quiet. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's you're, it. You're not moving. You're, you're finally quiet. not posing a threat. It was a hell of a nap spot because I'm not, I'm not joking. Like the next time I wake up, I hear another noise and wake up. And I mean, like in that spot is a black bear standing there. Who also freaks out and runs, <laughs> freaks out and runs off when I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> but like runs off bad. Like there's no sense. The same as Elk, right? There's no sense like going and catching back up to him. They're just gone, you know. That in the evening, we go off for our evening hunt. And I had already, I think like one of us had a bear tag. I had a bear tag. That evening, we go off for a hunt and we happen to our evening hunt plan happens to bring us down the same gully that the black bear ran down. It sounds like you had a good plan. We're going down and we go a few hundred yards and all of a sudden there's the unmistakable noise of a bear clawing its way up a tree. Okay. In this thicket. We're like, it's the bear. Like we have just done what we've never done, but always wondered why you never do it. Like we have now treed a black bear. (laughs) Right. So it's like, we're like, this is the easiest pickings on the planet. And you can hear it climbing. And my thinking is you rush in to make sure that it doesn't change its mind and run. Yeah. Like, so I'm like a tree, like a band hound, right? I'm going to go in there and like, make sure I'm going in there like hellfire to make sure he goes up the tree, which he's already clawing on. And we haul ass into this thicket and come, I mean, like. It's not a black bear. We come in like basically in amongst a sow grizzly uh, standing at the base of the tree. And it's her two cubs. Oh, gosh. Scratching around on the bark five feet up the tree. Uh, and I mean, we're in there like shaking hands <sighs> close. You've run into a worst case scenario. Yeah. In that case, things did really go from like seemingly yeah. find a pretty bad very quickly. Hey, let's yeah. go over here. <laughs> and she doesn't do what you don't want her to do. She decides in this case not to just beat the shit out of us. <laughs> <laughs> and instead the, the the cubs are like, I don't even know how it happened. All of a sudden the cubs are on the ground. She's like woofing and clacking her teeth at us. And then literally, I remember at one point in time actually pushed one of her cubs up the hill get out of here like with the back of her hand Oy. unbelievable and did that left and not just did like a what in the world do you think you're doing <laughs> <laughs> wow I, she yeah. had to have been caught so off guard <laughs> With like, oh, your, like your like level, why are these idiots running in here? <laughs> maybe maybe it's one of those things like 
you know, sometimes I, you've seen it's uh, in a movie or it's like a psychological thing where somebody who clearly doesn't pose a chance just acts so incredibly insane that everyone's like, geez, like this, this person must, <laughs> right. must really be actually like, they, maybe they're capable of really right. effing me up right now because they're just like, clearly something must be going on. This, this is unusual. These, <laughs> these gentlemen seem overly serious. They seem oddly <laughs> confident. I'm, I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> Yeah, when you read uh, descriptions of the Battle of uh, Little Bighorn, one of the, I don't know, I can't remember if he was Sioux or Northern Cheyenne, but one of the participants later when asked about Custer's charge said how, we felt as though they must have been drunk. (laughs) 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 It made so little sense. (laughs) I guess this is happening. Yeah, that, my that, stories. That's that Sal. Maybe, oh my gosh. Ma- maybe that Sal was like, "Man, these guys are wasted." <laughs> <laughs> those are good stories. Something's wrong here. I should be on the other end of this, but yeah, those are great stories. Those are. What, I, I just can't like sticking with the grizzly thing here for a minute. Hear me okay. out, because I have zero grizzly experience at all. I think I've been maybe in places where maybe there might be a grizzly, but I never saw it. And you, you see stuff, people talking about, obviously, they're, they're, some, they're formidable, not something you want to mess with, certainly in a case like that where you got to sound cubs. But, like, you find yourself in a situation like you were in, and, and at that point, it's you're basically at the mercy of the sow. Am I correct? Like, there's not a whole lot you guys could have done if sow decides to be like, you know what, time to teach him a lesson. I mean... No, we didn't carry pistols back then. We were super lackadaisical about pepper spray. We usually kept it in the bottom of our backpack. <laughs> right. <laughs> just in case Everybody it gives us tight. enough time. Yeah. Everybody hold tight. I gotta <laughs> if you can just uh press the pause button there, we'll we'll get our spray out. Oh, no, man. nothing you would have done, man. Yeah. Nothing you'd have done. My my experience I don't have any experience with I guess uh, grizzlies. I've been around a, f- a fair number of, of brown bears, which I guess that's some of that's semantics, right? But that's like on the yep coastal Alaska, the bears that I've run into. And my experience is, I've never had, um, oh no, we did kind of get charged one time, actually. But they just, zero Fs. Like, they don't, like, they just, <laughs> like, people talk, I hear people talk about, like, hunting, hunting brown bears on Kodiak, and they're like, if they wind you, they're gone, right? Like, in, on spring hunt. And maybe, maybe that's mm. the case. But all the bears that I've seen, like, didn't care, like, at all. Like, they're like, yeah, I'm king of the jungle. Like, it just, like, doesn't matter. Like, my brother torched a round off behind a bear that was, like, 50 yards away at one time. And it just kind of looked at us and then sauntered off. Yeah. Huh. How about that? Yeah. Where we were at our fish shack, we found that the one, it's weird, the ones that, these aren't, these are black bears, I should be clear. But the older males, who you think are, like, the big tough ones, Mm -hmm. and they do, like, they, eat bears and all kinds of tough stuff but they do eventually you know by the time they're like a mature bear they there's a chance that they're going to get like quite skittish about them. okay right and I, I think it's just from having you know the whatever they're 10 years old right they just had enough run-ins to be like yeah you know these guys are trouble why Bob? but tony russ has that tony russ has this he's a guy i never met him but he's got a good book about kodiak brown bears or brown bear hunting and he describes like 
a, a major food source of those bears is brown bears, <laughs> <laughs> which makes which makes them seem like not cool. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Like, yeah. oh, that's uh, that's what she, that doesn't sound like an easy meal. I guess you know. <laughs> so, so you imagine that his chances, his uh, his odds against you are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> we've uh, we discussed here the idea of um because we got an indoor range here if you're ever in the neighborhood i'd be curious to see what what uh what people would be able to do to stack up against one another but we talked about this with the niece and muck and hern oh right if, if you got like you know your your bear mace or whatever they make the, they make practice ones i don't know if you've seen those where they're they're oh, in, yeah, in, it's inert. yeah inert mm-hmm. basically if it's still the same ex- experience and, and use but we've got these moving target carriers that can get going pretty rapidly and we thought like it's a 50 yard range. And if you set yourself up on some given line, you know, right. some distance away from the target and had the person running the carrier just have that thing full sprint blast. at you full blast. If you would be able to fiddle with your belt or your gear or whatever, get the thing off, get the safety tab and spray said incoming bear, so to speak. Or get to your pistol. Or get to your pistol prior to it hitting you. Right. Yeah, we're designing we're designing something very similar that we're going to be doing soon. But we're going to roll a basketball down a slope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you can stand there with your six shooter and show us how many times you hit that basketball. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it'll be entertaining to say uh, to say the least. But here's I'm gonna, when it's my turn, I want to do it privately. Right. right. I want some practice. Like, I, I prefer to do it privately. I'll tell you how well I did. <laughs> yes, please do. Go, I'd, go, I'd go in with two basketballs, the one <laughs> that I shot at and the, the one that I show as the result. I think, yeah, look, five holes. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, what I find, we haven't done the simulation yet, but, but I think we will. But I think, and you might know this, Steve, but can't a brown bear... Can they run or can they sprint like forty miles an hour? Is that the yeah, man? Is that the thing? You hear that? Yeah, yeah, thirty-five. You know, you hear these thirty-five mile an hour. I, I think, like, yeah, when they put their mind to it or whatever, like the, they're capable of those bursts. But the experience that the experiences that I've had and people I know have had and people I've interviewed have had, it's like either that you're so close, right? That you bump that in the thick brush or coming around a corner, or whatever, like, or it's on a carcass and you're in a willow patch, like, it's so close that it's like its feet. Right. Mm-hmm. When I've seen them coming from any sort of distance, um, it's more like, like er- erratic. Right. Like, run, stand up, stop, do this, do that, you know, and like, sure, at some times are they hitting 35 miles an hour, but it's not like, you know, search for the Holy Grail, Monty Python, where like, from a mile away, there's something just running at you <laughs> at 35 miles an hour. You know what I mean? It's like, it's different. And, and people I've interviewed that have been hit, they're like, it's it, it's feet. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that, or, or yards. It, it's like feet or yards. And it's just, there's no, you know, and I don't, does it really get going 30? Does it need to get going 35 miles an hour? It's just like, it's just on you, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So you, you hear that, but I don't, I never, I don't think I've ever heard a story where someone's like, oh yeah, from a hundred yards away. I could see a bear coming at 35 miles an hour <laughs> that bowled into me. I, 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 <laughs> so if we do I, the math I clock, here. I clocked him at 35 as he came. But, but I think, so I guess. It's more like there's some flashes in the brush. It stood up, it woofed, and then all of a sudden it was biting me. <laughs> 
Right. He's, yeah. Uh. I guess that's and that's partially where I was going there though because like you said like I think in in a lot of cases like it's it's in, instantaneous like you're there you're doing something and then it's on you because it is like such tight quarters or it is such you know crazy brush and you've just run into the into the wrong situation. But I think about that. I guess I think about that 40 35 40 miles an hour in the context of only going having to go like 10 feet. Right. And I'm like I just mm. don't I don't think like we're talking about time and those are those times too. Ugh, where I don't know. People always talk about going out west and like everywhere out west is huge. You can see for miles everywhere. And it's like not always. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Sometimes like when you're talking about tight quarters, it's like sometimes you're out west and it's it's you're in there. Oh yeah, you can see for miles, but you can't see what's ten yards down the slope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We interviewed a woman uh, that got mauled. There's an irony. Maybe I don't know. I always mix up what's ironic or not. She was. <laughs> she was a grizzly bear researcher mm-hmm. and they had these uh, hair traps out, right? Mm-hmm. They had these like rotten blood baits mm. and the baits are wrapped in like a barbed wire to, to, to pluck hairs for genetic work. Got She's it. out checking her hair traps <laughs> and lo and behold runs into a bear. <laughs> so she yeah. described it as, she described it as like, it was very close when it realized she was there. They realized each other was there at the same time. There was only enough time to turn her shoulder. Mm. She's like, that's all I remember. Like, I had enough time to, like, kind of, like, bury my face and turn my shoulder was all it was. Brace for impact. She kept her pepper spray, like, the only way to make, honestly, like, in my view, the only way that makes any sense is on her chest. Right. She kept it on her chest. The bear started to maul her back and the back of her head. Actually punctured her skull, right? Without being able to see it. She was able to take her pepper spray and hose its face by like filling the gap between her shoulder and her face with spray. Unbelievable. And it dropped her. Saved her life. Yeah. Oh my God. Shot it over the shoulder, over the shoulder at point blank range. That is the ultimate no look. That's, you don't hear, (laughs) you don't hear too many grizzly trick shots. Uh, that's, that's one of them. Yeah, that right there. I yeah. mean, seriously, that, but that, like, here, let me hold this mirror up. <laughs> Oof. Then you think about the fact, too. That's that, why like, I always <laughs> carry a cosmetic mirror. Mark. <laughs> you want to impress the your old, friends? What you is should that? put that in the book. The old Annie Oakley. Uh, there's been a, there's been a addendum. Boy, you get that stuff, too. Like, I mean, you got all those open wounds now. You get that stuff in your open wounds. That's got to burn. I mean, everything already probably oh, burns. Sure, and yeah. It's terrible. Dude, it burns. It burns not. I'm more afraid of pepper spray than I am of bears. <laughs> I'm sure there's. Some I saw there. I was reading about some uh, some incidental discharges of pepper spray in the in the book here. Doesn't sound yeah, like. Yeah, when you get it on your stuff, man. Uh, uh, like, here's my advice: save your time and just throw it out. Just get re- really. You, you you thinking that you're gonna like? Imagine the waist belt on a backpack, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's foamy. Uh, you like your boy. You boil like I've boiled it, and then I'm like, "Well, I'll boil it, and and I'll add simple green to the boiling water." And then the next time you start sweating and get any liquid, any moisture, oh. it's just right back at you. Jeez, you, it, you just cannot. And it has an orange dye in it. Okay, and right. It's oily. It's oily. Uh, I've been in two, one time just with someone that accidentally stepped on their pack's waist belt and broke the nozzle off a can, and it hosed everything. Another time I just got pickpocketed by some brush, basically like 
some brush like through my safety catch and then through the trigger too. And I'm standing there wondering what that noise is that's going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well, that's, that's curious. The, the jetpack feature. <laughs> I didn't realize my pack had that. Where's that coming from? <laughs> <laughs> All that stuff just has to be thrown out. You that's, can't get it out. That's, that's crazy. Awful. Well, I think you know it's like oh, I'll throw it in the washing. No, I've never done this, but you know, throw it in the washing machine. Now you've contaminated potentially contaminated your washer, your dryer, your kids' clothes, think, everything. You think you got it, but you don't. <laughs> you don't got it. What does that say? It's, they say it's like it's basically the same kind of stuff that makes peppers hot, and it's just like. It's like a, a, Capsicum, a, a, yeah, a bazillion times more potent than like a, the hottest pepper is just this concentrated formula is that bear mace or whatever. I mean, you can, I just can't Gee. imagine. Like you eat, I remember at work we all tried crushing up some some scary spicy peppers we found on some shady website online once and uh, crushed it up in some salsa and ate that. And like another guy tried cooking it into some spaghetti sauce. He actually had to evacuate his house because everybody couldn't breathe. <laughs> It was like, I think, and he said that, like, I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt it. Like, he's he, he's known to over-exaggerate a few things. I do believe that he had to evacuate his house. He said that also in some of the corners of his house, the wallpaper began to peel. I don't know if that's real or not. But Jim, every time you tell the story, like, here's where I don't know how you guys got to, hey, I've got a good idea. Let's go to this Shady Pepper website, get the hot, like, that something like that doesn't cross my mind. My buddy, not, not, now we're like on a pepper tangent. My buddy grew these peppers in his yard in his garden, and we're just cutting them up to cook them. And there are these, uh, just like almost chartreuse, like lime green little guys. Oh yeah. I don't even think he know knew what he planted, but we're <laughs> cutting them up in his house and like coughing, like it was like becoming hard to breathe while we were just cutting up <laughs> these peppers. I mean, we ate them. You still ate them. They're, I mean, they're hot. But, like, I found that's the only time I've, like, cut up a pepper and, been like, it was, like, <clears throat> like I didn't even realize what was happening at first, you know, because you're, like, wasn't expecting that. But Crazy stuff. It's, like, a – maybe I'm wrong, man. It feels like a distinctly male thing. <laughs> <laughs> to just eat really hot stuff. <laughs> to, like, buy pepper to be, like, I heard that these are really painful. Right. <laughs> Let's go get some. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let's uh, let's measure our bravado today. Get yeah, some get some right. hot Let's peppers. go get some and eat them. And you're like, by by golly, that is painful. <laughs> there's, there's, everyone was right. Literally everyone <laughs> who said it hurts yeah. and you shouldn't do it was right. And I agree now. Yeah. There's only there's only one way to settle this. Who's the toughest? That's right. That's how everything always works. I love it, Steve. These uh, getting back to these stories. These were getting back to these your stories and the book. I'm going to circle it back here. Try and get us back on track. I, mean, mm-hmm. I feel like we covered a lot of really important ground there. The uh, the stories you told are pretty like extreme, right? But one thing that I found in the book was like a lot of the stuff that's going to get you that you're going to have an issue with, like not that extreme, like kind of like a, a benign, unassuming. Like I'll I'll pull out a couple things: uh, selfie related deaths, yeah, or 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 <laughs> cooking accidents. Like, hey, Jim. Uh, you want to eat some dinner? And then the next question is, uh, hey, do you know how to treat a, treat a severe burn? Mm-hmm. You, you know, so you kind of go mm-hmm. from, like, this thing that's just, like, doesn't, like, seems like maybe a normal task, but stuff you need to be cognitive of or, or can be careful of or take precautions yeah. or, or know how to handle it. We looked at some different organizations that have, that keep data on this about 
you know, and you can find stuff through national park stuff, through groups like Knowles or, or, or various outfits that, that lead tracks and expeditions about injuries that, that require evacuation. Okay. Okay. And also like injuries that are like trip, trip ending injuries. Mm-hmm. We found some that found that the trip ending injuries are, are the leading cause is cooking fuel and fuel, fuel burns, which I've seen like, I remember one of the worst injuries I've seen out, like an actual injury that I've seen is someone that had an alcohol stove in the bright daylight oh. and couldn't and thought it was out oh, yeah. and couldn't see the flame and went to pour alcohol in onto <sighs> the flame. Oh my gosh. Horrible burn on a hand. And then a lot of other, like the other thing is, is, is sprains. Okay. Like, sprains are the, like the leading cause of trip is the leading trip ending accident cause. So you spend a lot of yeah. time, like we just, it's fun talking about bears, man. It's like fun talking about bears, like debating, you know, oh, my old trusty pistol, if that can't get it done, no, you know, and the stuff that's out there, when you look at like what really happens to people, it's just like you said, it's just like benign things that we don't spend time talking about. Like you, when you go out to Alaska with your buddies, everybody's talking about what they're going to do for spray and what they're going to do for, you know, but like, well, let's talk about what we're going to do to not, uh, get you burnt by boiling water. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's like actually the problem. And then uh, another thing is just microorganisms, man. Um, I've been oh. brought to my knees. I've been brought to my knees multiple times, brought to my knees, hospital grade stuff by microscopic organisms, not macroscopic. Organisms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The stuff, uh, the stuff you can't see. But Insect-borne pathogens, waterborne pathogens are like cause real trouble to real outdoorsmen all the time. Yeah, and they're the worst things in so many regards because it's like, I mean, even when you get a sprain, nobody likes a sprain. You know, it, obviously that's like an understatement, but you know it can be trip-ending. But you know, you, you kind of can you can brace it, you can do something different, you can like heat it, ice it any number of things and sort of help it. But when something's going on inside of you, there's no, like, you can't, you can't put a splint on that. You can't like Mm -hmm. bandage that. It just is happening. Yeah. And. Well, then a sprain. You're, you're a bot. You're a bot. You just, you, you you enter into like bystander status. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but a sprain in the woods or on the mountain, very different than a sprain at the basketball game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, mean, as far as, yeah, the severity of the situation. Like, oh, I'm not man, downplaying those things, but yeah, it's it just like, there's something about external injuries where you see it. And even when it's terrible, you're sort of like, you almost feel like you can do more about it. Yeah. A lot, a, a, a lot, of, a lot of mystery with the, uh, microorganisms. And like you said, I mean, that can mm-hmm. shuts the whole system down potentially. Oh, and there, and it, it's a landscape that changes so much areas that if you take something like we spend a lot of time on Lyme disease and, and I, my, my son had Lyme. I had Lyme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very serious for me for a while. You know, the map changes all the time, right? New insect-borne pathogens pop up. Like, mm-hmm. the thing that's gotten a lot of press in recent years is that Lone Star Tick. Yeah. That leads to that bizarre meat allergy, right, where, you're like, meat proteins you develop an allergic reaction to. Alpha um, gall or something. I mean, that's the worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just like like we kind of in the book kind of encourage people to just stay informed about that stuff because, because of two reasons. I think that it's important to know what's going to get you, but it's also like reassuring to know what's not going to get you. Sure. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, just like being like, like a, a lot of people, like they feel that any tick in any place is going to give them line, you know? Yeah. So you get like a big ass wood tick on you in, in whatever, Idaho, right? And like, oh my God, I got to start monitoring for line. Like, actually, that's a whole different animal, man. That tick doesn't carry line. That, that, that's not a Lyme disease bearing tick. Right. Like, you might have something else, maybe Rocky Mountain spotted fever, which is way less prevalent, but like, you don't need to worry about that. Yeah. You don't need to have a panic attack because you found one of those on your kid's head. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, by like, kind of like studying up, but like what matters and doesn't matter. And, and even to bring that around to macro things, like you always hear people worry about mountain lions. Like you can't, there is no compelling case to be made for giving mountain lions any thought. Right. They don't matter. Not that it don't matter as an organism. They, they don't like as a threat think about something else. Right. <laughs> like You can't make it make sense to worry about that. In, in, in the hierarchy of things to be worrying about, probably don't have that one on your list. Scratch it off your list. <laughs> I didn't even realize that one, actually. I mean, I you just get into, like, how many people, just how many people in the nation are in proximity to them and how we go years without... Fatal, it, it just doesn't matter. Are there any? So are I there do. any cats that you have to? Cats confuse me. I don't know a lot about cats, but I remember when we were in Colorado. My wife and I went to Colorado. There was a big story going around about how some guy was out running on a trail and got mauled by no. a cat of some sort. Did that not happen? Was that like it was a made a mountain up lion? Game? It was a mountain lion, and at and it wound up being like a, an emaciated 23 pound mountain lion or so like a very, it wound up being a, he strangled, he, he choked it out. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah. I was going to say like, was he running around with a steak? And he the back never, of his like, head, to this dude's credit, man, to this dude's credit, we covered this pretty heavily on our podcast, but in this dude's to this dude's credit, he never ran around acting like something happened that didn't. Right. Okay. The mountain lion jumped him, scratched him up. He killed it. With his bare hands. He never like went on, you know, Donahue or whatever talking about like what a badass he is. Right. But it right. so he like the dude never built it up. Right. He went to the hospital, got checked out, but it wound up being after they did like a necropsy on this thing and they released some details about the story got less compelling. Because at first it's like, you know, mountain lions get up to 160 pounds. It's like, oh my God, but I want it. was like a, it was a, a, a <laughs> juvenile, like a, okay. a not well juvenile. See, and then that, that's the case though, is that then people are like, oh yeah, exactly like you said. They're like, hey, be on the uh, on the lookout for mountain lions. Yeah. They're going to attack you while you're running. You didn't even do anything, you know? Right. And then it was just like, oh shoot. At this that's point, at this point, we're uncertain if he didn't trip over a dead mountain lion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He got it. There's a there's a way the information flows online in a way that I think increases the people's feeling of risk because the the initial news stories get a lot more publicity than the later clarifications. The follow-ups. This 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 will be pertinent to your audience in some ways. Where one day I wake up and, and it must be that a hundred people send me an article about some rare brain wasting disease having a connection to the consumption of squirrel. Okay. Eating squirrel brains, okay. Eat, I don't eat squirrel brains, but eating squirrel brains, and some guy developed this like Jacob Crutchfelt, Kreutzfeldt, whatever, like brain wasting disease. Hmm. Everybody sends this to me. 
bet you'd be taking twice about eating them squirrels down. <laughs> you know, okay. It makes its rounds, gets picked up by every news organization on the planet. Okay. Squirrels will give you mad cow and then uh, winds up being, lo and behold, <laughs> over time, <laughs> it winds up being that there's been like 13 cases of this known in the country, this disease. Of those 13, one individual had in his past eaten a squirrel brain. One time. End of at band camp. Full stop. That, full stop. That's enough for me. I'm off the squirrels. <laughs> so, it, you know what I'm saying? But, like, it, it's really frustrating the way that kind of, like, and then no one shares that story. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, I totally know what you're saying. That is frustrating. You know, I mean, or you'll these gross inaccuracies and it blows up and it's an internet sensation. Everybody's talking about it. And then it's essentially like a retraction is like printed in small text somewhere. Right. Yeah. In his medical history, through the interviews they did with the guy, it was revealed that he had done this. And so (laughs) the other 12 haven't. (laughs) Man dies at uh, 96. Once ate a steak rare. If you eat your steaks rare, you'll die. (laughs) Right. I just like, I don't even know how you draw that correlation. Like, God, <laughs> oh, we pinpointed it. Well, because uh, someone got to sneak and snooping through the yeah. story. Yeah. And, and found this thing. Uh, there's an, I, I need something to write today. <laughs> that'll, get, that'll get some clicks. That ought to do. That, that could be a fact. Oh, that's that's wild. It does make. Uh, what was interesting about the, uh, tell you about the mountain lion thing that really rejuvenated is, I don't know if you caught it, it was two summers ago or three summers ago, Oregon had its first mountain lion fatality. Right. Meaning a lion killing someone. Had its first mountain lion fatality since statehood. Wow. Oh, that's a while. Or, 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 sorry. I can't remember which. So Washington and Oregon. One had its first mountain in the same summer. Had its first mountain lion fatality in 98 years. And the other one had its first since statehood in the same summer. That's cr- I think it's a the rising Washington- trend. <laughs> yeah, right. The Washington, I think the guy was uh, riding a bicycle or something like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was in, it was really interesting, and it was like a it was a strange thing because one of the ways that uh, we're we're treading into uh, like I, I'm tre- treading into sensitive territory here. It was pointed out as an unusual lion attack. You don't even need to comment on this. It was pointed out unless you want to. It was pointed out as an unusual lion attack because it was a man and generally when you have lion when 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 lions kill people it's generally like kids running around Mm, okay and women who just smaller stature more whatever and it was people reported on that that it was unusual that it attacked and killed a a grown man but it wound up being a trans individual and it was like in in the official record it was it was a woman that was killed Oh, interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. It was like a very, uh, I, I tried to entice a friend of mine who, who he's not a hunter or anything, but he does a lot of stuff about animals. I tried to entice him to dig into that story a little bit and how that moved through the media. So I thought it was interesting coming when it did. But um, yeah, it was a, like an interesting footnote. That is hard to hard to touch that one in today's day and age. Yeah, I mean, I think no, even no, no, if it's I, even if it's for science, I, I, I was reluctant to to mention it, but I'd say that it was like um, as a person interested in well, yeah, in I mean, the world it, of lion attacks, and even if it's for science, attacked, it doesn't. It is an interesting just observation to note, you know. Yeah. But I'm sure some people are probably like, oh, I don't know if we want to. 
I think now, right. yeah, I think now if you look at it, I can't remember like what it describes how the victim is described, but it was interesting because in the early descriptions, you kept seeing conflicting reports yeah. of it being a, a man was attacked or a woman was attacked. Oh, yeah. interesting. I think, you know, you look at it though and by the numbers, like what we were talking about earlier, as far as like the hierarchy of things you should be worrying about, just a lion yes. attack is unusual. Like, just the fact that, I mean, you're talking, you know, first recorded in state history type numbers, you know. Yeah. Not that, not that these things didn't happen. They're real events that happened, right? Yeah. You know, but. I have, I have a friend that handles, he, he does a lot of the, you know, Washington banned hound hunting for lions, you know. Right. That, that's, your, that's your home turf, Mark. Yep, yep. The only, lion, the only lion that we ever saw, or not, in fact, I, I kicked it out to my brother. I was going through this gnarly bottom. And I kicked it out to my brother. It went into a clear cut. Was the year before tags went to over the counter before they banned. Was the, that right? The, before they yeah. banned the lion hunting, yeah, or the dog, the hunting with dogs. We got a note. I'm I'm, in, I'm trying to tell two stories once. I'm gonna get back to the one point, but I'm gonna do that our point first. A, a, a friend of mine does a lot of the lion work for Washington, so he kills a lot of problem cats. Okay. He's a houndsman, and, and cats that get into trouble and kill livestock, whatever. Like he trees and kills a lot of mountain lions. After this weird Oregon-Washington thing that same summer, we were kind of investigating a little bit, just talking to people, get their perspective on, is it like a freak? Is it like a total fluke? Is it indicative of something? And he said, man, he, to, you know, I should point out, he was very much like, it's got to be a fluke. He's like, I bet you we gonna, we'll go another 50 years and no one will get killed by a lion. But he said, an interesting thing is, when I started out in this business, he said, a mountain lion so much as looked at somebody, we killed it. Oh, okay. Hmm. And he said, over time, his attitudes have changed about proximity to wildlife. It's like, you can have a lion do some crazy shit now, and they don't, people don't want to kill. Right. Right. Yeah. It's they in- might want you to go tree it and spook it, and then tree it again and spook it to sort of, you know, that'll be a common request to sort of try to instill it with a fear of humans or a fear of barking dogs or whatever to try to train it. But he said it's just a real attitude change. So he said, am I hmm. surprised that we would in time sort of develop a population of mountain lions that were less fearful of people? Like, that doesn't surprise me because everyone that used to even kind of butt up against civilization was a dead cat. Right. Yeah. He's like, and now they're not. So, you know. Well, I mean, it just, it just makes sense that they'd adapt to their surroundings and be like, oh, I was next to a human or a lot of people. And there wasn't like a negative repercussion. Like, Didn't why would die. I? It's almost like when you see deer in your neighborhood. You know, a whitetail when you go hunting for it is like the most skittish thing in the world. You know, you could be out watering the lawn with one eating your rose bushes ten feet away. Doesn't care. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But you go back to the 1890s and see what happens when a deer shows up in your yard. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't matter if you lived in the neighborhood. No. <laughs> the the uh, yeah, there were there were no uh, ordinances. That's right. It was a better time. My other thing about Washington, I was going to tell you about, uh, after the hound, we, we got a letter from a guy and he was in Washington and he got into doing this. It's kind of crazy. He would go out and cut a track, cut a, when there's a new snow, he'd go cut a line track and start following that track. And every time he got to like a, a good bedding area, he would predator call, hmm. give it 15, 20 minutes, keep following the track, get to another likely spot. He'd predator call. He wrote us that he was doing this, and we kind of talked about it. And then a while later, sure enough, sends in a picture, hmm. sits down in a clear cut, blows his prayer call. Five minutes later, standing there right in his face, and he got it. 
No kidding, huh? Yep. Wow. Like a sort of tracking, calling combo approach, which to me, dude, is the most badass way to kill a mountain lion of all ways, man. I that's like it. some that's some good woodsmanship, man. That is, man. That is. I mean, they are uh, they're super cool animals. I've actually that the the closest that I know I've been is that one that I kicked out to my brother. But I oftentimes think because I've I've never seen one. I oftentimes like ask myself the question. I wonder how how often how many how many times I've been really close to one, and I bet it's more than I think. Oh, for sure. I've had a couple. I've had a couple times where. You get that sixth sense where the hair's just standing on the back of your head, and you're just like, dude, I don't like, I need to get out of here. I don't like it. I don't know what it is, but I don't, I don't like it. That's you being like a, being like a deer. Paranoid. I was actually, I'm remember, I'm accounting, recounting another time I was hunting turkeys in the Blue Mountains, and it was super snowy, crazy quiet, like eerily quiet. The snowflakes were so huge and so heavy, and I was hunting by myself. It was like, deafening silence i don't know it, it was bizarre and i'm going down this road it was like it was snowing so heavy that my turkey decoy in within seconds would be covered in snow was and this in your brother's old supra no the, i had the uh you already the, you'd already the, completely the destroyed the transmission by yeah, then all right cool. in the old international and uh i see these three mule deer and they're like 30 yards away and i'm like oh dude that's cool man those deer are really close since so i'm just observing them and i look down and i'm standing in like a ton of fresh line tracks and like tail sweeps in the snow. And I'm like, oh, that, really? that, that was like another time I was like, I need to get out of here. I think, <laughs> and actually I did. I go, you know what? Turkey hunting sucks today. I'm, get, I'm, I'm going home. I remember thinking, I think my first thought was like, I'm not the only one that was watching these deer. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But Boy. cool stuff, man. Steve? We're probably we're probably run, running up on time here. Any uh, any parting any parting words from your end? Oh, I did have a question. I'm I'm going to lead you with this question because this is a great book. Any notable lists that this book has has made it on? Well, fun you ask, Mark. Great uh, great question. That was like your segue, Jim. That was. It was a. <laughs> it made it on the New York Times bestseller list. Bam. As a vanity metric, as a vanity metric, um, that has been a lifelong goal of mine to have a book hit that list. And it, it debuted, I think it did a couple weeks there, it debuted on the New York Times bestseller list. And in a variety of cool? other ones. But that was a real, like, uh, I was real happy about that. Irrationally happy about making that. I, 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 think, I think it's a big deal. I, I mean, my question was, like, too, like, in, in the book world, you know, like, what kind of, like, I mean, obviously, like, a personal, like, you call it vanity. I mean, I think it's also a, uh, I guess, a, a third-party external endorsement of mm. a damn good book. Mm-hmm. But, like, in, in the writer world, pretty big deal? Yeah, because you know, there's a lot of bestseller lists. Like, you know, the, the USA Today, the Journal, Amazon keeps its own bestseller list. But no one's ever heard of those. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, your whole life you've been looking at, the, your, your whole life, you know, you are, have looked at books that somewhere on the cover is that little sticker that says like New York Times, but they, and I don't know, maybe in 20 years they won't hold it anymore, but they still like, for whatever reason, it's, you That's know. That's the sticker. Like that, like to win an Oscar, right? Like 
for someone to win an Oscar for the film. Shit, it's all kinds of film awards and stuff. But it's like one that people are like, dude, I've heard of that. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that must be good. I've heard of it. I watched a movie <laughs> once. I've heard of the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just one of those things that like people know about it. You've been seeing it your whole life. And so to be able to have future, you know, to, to, to hit that was, was, was fun. As a concluder, though, I, I, I would like to point out my uh, great affection and esteem for for your guys' company, Vortex Optics, who are, like, besides the quality of the products, great people, all the constant innovations and just excitement about what you guys make, as far as for me and, and the, the show I do and stuff, to have had your guys' backing for all of these years, man. It has just been has been wonderful and great, and I really really appreciate that. So I just want to point that out to your listeners that uh, you guys were early believers in our show, and it's been just such a nice relationship over the years. So, no, that's awesome, man. I mean, we appreciate much appreciated. Appreciate all the support from your. We've start we started this with flattery, and we've ended it with flattery. I still remember the first podcast I recall watching between Vortex and and Meat Eater was at the old building in Middleton. In some conference room with a bunch of uh, plastic yep. card tables all folded out and discussed turkey hunting. That was many years ago. That, that <laughs> many was years many ago. years ago. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, good stuff. S- super, super fun ride, ride, Steve. And, I mean, we definitely appreciate all you guys as professionally and as people truly enjoy everybody on the team and your company and hanging out and times that we've had to, you know, uh, enjoy the outdoors together. So it's be- definitely been a very uh, – it's been a fun, a fun ride, you know, I'd say – Definitely a lot of uh, interesting uh, growth on both ends and, and mm-hmm. all good stuff. So Yeah. I feel like that was a super nice note, and, uh, like, it, it would make for a good close, but I also feel like I'd be remiss to not ask Steve this one Uh-oh. next question. Real, real quick, though, before Jim, we, you are engaging in a Wisconsin, a Wisconsin this podcast is a Midwest, goodbye. A Midwest goodbye, I know. Yeah. <laughs> we asked Giannis when he came on to... to to podcast with Mark and I a little bit ago. And in fact, at the time of this recording, that, that episode only just released very recently to do his best Steve impression. Oh, and I, oh, and I haven't even heard this yet. You man. haven't. Okay. Yeah, well, like I said, it, it came out pr- fairly recently. He, he ended up kind of, it was, it was less of like a long impression. It was more of just a funny quintessential Steve story on his part where there was a quote involved and, uh, and it, it involved, you have to you have to go back and listen to it, I think. But I I'd be curious if you don't have to if you don't have anything right off the top of your head because this is kind of this, is, you on the this spot. is an on the spotter and yeah. on the spotter. Do you have though like a really good quintessential Giannis either story or like impression, some sort of a thing where like you're just yeah, this immediately makes me think of Giannis. Okay, I'm, I'm as my wife knows. I am incapable of doing impressions, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I'll do a, okay. I'm going to do a me. Then I'm going to do a Giannis or All like, right. I'm going to do like, I'll be the role of life. Okay. And then, and then I'm going to, I'll tell you when I'm being Giannis. So the role of life is, uh, the life says to Giannis or someone, me, life, whoever says to Giannis, I'm Giannis, I need to alert you to the world's hugest problem. This is an insurmountable problem. Life will never be the same. This is the most horrible thing in the world. I'm going to tell you, like, you might as well die after I tell you this. It's so bad. Here it is. Like, here's the thing, right? And I tell the thing. Um, He would be, okay. 
<laughs> I, I actually can, I could see that. That's that's it's very fitting just from the limited interactions I've had that compare in, in relativity to you, but uh, that's I, funny. He's processed this thing completely, and the response is okay, okay, okay. yeah. I like it. That is awesome. That's good. It's good to have somebody like that uh, at your side, though. You know, oh, they always keep you level. Dude, it is very, very nice to have someone like that around. <laughs> when you when you're in one of these, hopefully you're not in one of these survival situations. That's right. But you need a Yanni to keep keep his cool. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you, Steve. Awesome. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks everybody for listening as usual. You guys are timely as all get out, man. It's actually like. Oh, it actually, yeah. On the note. Right on the 30 mark there. So, uh, well done. But, you guys uh, ever need a job, come, come <laughs> give me a shout. That's good to know. I'll show up with my knapsack. That's good to know. Things get a little uh, yeah, yeah, sketchy around here. They decide we've we've had our time. But uh, cool. Well, thanks, everybody, as usual, for listening. Go check out, if you're not, for some reason, familiar yet, check out this book and also just check out Meteor. Uh, follow him on social media and all that good stuff. Watch him on Netflix. It's uh, It's all excellent stuff. So Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. Hey, man, I'll talk to you guys later. Appreciate the opportunity. Yep. All right. Take care. See ya. What's up, everybody? At the very beginning of this podcast that you hopefully listened to the whole thing because it was awesome, Mm -hmm. we alluded to how you might win this exact book sitting in front of me right now, The Meat Eater Guide to Wilderness Skills and Survival by the Stephen Ronella. Now, Jim, how might a person do that? Well, all you got to do is submit a story with a great photo along with that story. And what's the story going to be about exactly? Well, we've all had those, oh, you know what, insert four-letter word here, just like Steve talked about in our podcast, we've been out in the wilderness. And hopefully, maybe in that craziness or afterwards, you were able to take a picture of the, uh, of the carnage. That ensued, and hopefully, hopefully you're all right because we don't want to we don't want to see all these at your own expense. Uh, but anyways, if you've got something like that, send that picture with the description into us via direct message on Instagram to the main Vortex Optics Instagram page. That is at Vortex Optics. The best story, which is a bit up to our discretion, admittedly, but the best story is going to win this book, and it is actually signed by the one and only Stephen Ronella as well. So that is very cool. Now, if you don't have the best story, that's okay, because there are going to be some runner-up winners for some other really good ones that we get, and those folks are going to win some Vortex wear items like Mark and I are wearing right now. Now, tell them when this is happening. Right, Jim. This offer is good for a limited time only, so you need to make your submission between February 15 and 18, 2021, mm-hmm. the year we're in right now, Yes, at, at press time. And, uh, yeah, see if you can't get this book exactly. or some sweet apparel. Exactly. So submit your stuff within that time frame, and we'll see who wins. Best of luck, everybody. Can't wait to read your stories. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you can take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting 
We appreciate it. Have a good one.